Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Monday, June 29th. S&P futures are trading about unchanged this morning. They've been vacillating around the unchanged line for most of the morning. European equities are trading about flat as well. Um, a little bit more movement be- behind the scenes in Europe. So you have cyclical s- groups are generally trading well, autos, industrials, and banks. And then you have some weakness in staples in particular. Danone is leading staples on the downside. They had some cautious comments on Friday about sales and margins. And then you have energy is very weak in Europe as well. Asia was finished in the red across the board. Um so the tenor of news over the weekend, I would say, was negative, but not necessarily, you know, you're not really seeing the narrative shift dramatically. So you continue to have a COVID crisis in several major states, Arizona, Florida, Texas are the major areas of focus. You are seeing some mitigation steps being put in place by governors and local officials in those states. So bars and restaurants in particular are a big area of concern. So you saw on Friday, you had Florida and Texas both implement restrictions around bars. Florida is prohibiting the sale of alcohol which is essentially closing them. Texas is outright closing bars. Um, and then you had over the weekend, California came out and and mandated bars closed in certain areas, including LA. Um, you are not really seeing a return to kind of wholesale lockdown measures or shelter in place measures. You know, again, I think there has been a shift in the philosophical approach to COVID whereby, um, you know, governors do not seem very eager to kind of put in place those types of steps that will completely shut down the economy. So they're trying to be a little bit more surgical as far as how they um, implement some of these mitigation measures. You know, I think the problem is you're really not going to see these efforts to the extent they are successful show up in the transmission figures for at least a couple of weeks. And you're now going to see the transmission numbers show up in other statistics. So fatalities, which have been relatively low, it's a, those are a lagging indicator. They are likely going to creep higher in response to the increased transmissions. And then you're also going to see a slowdown in some of the economic um, measures that, you know, we've had this, we've had now months of sequential improvement in economic data, both the official government statistics, the high frequency numbers, and then corporate updates. I'd imagine that you're going to see that pattern at least stall, if not reverse a little bit. And you are already starting to see that in the weekly jobless claims figures, which have been flatlining now for about three weeks. Um, and I'd imagine you're going to, you, and you've also seen evidence in some of the higher frequency data and then some of the corporate updates, I think, I say also will start to kind of level out too. So, I mean, that's the problem in that you're going to see the news flow around COVID, I think, stay negative now for a couple of weeks going, um, you know, at least a couple of weeks. And that's assuming that transmissions will start to flatten out in some of those states. Um, the other big area of macro focus is politics. So, you know, again, we have a couple of months to go before November, but every sign points to this election going in favor of Biden um, perhaps dramatically, in which case you also now have to assume that the Senate is very much in play. So you could be looking at Democrats controlling the House, Senate and White House. Um, you know, there were a ton of articles over the weekend talking about polling numbers, certain demographics that Trump's losing ground with, certain critical demographics, um, the, you know, relative chaotic uh, environment within the campaign, etc. So, you know, that clearly is, um, you know, a major macro focus where the market probably doesn't seem to be paying too much attention. The area's focus is very much on COVID right now, justifiably, but politics is another big area that the market um, needs to be paying attention to. That's really it as far as major macro news is concerned. Two other areas that are uh, that are going to be in focus today. Facebook will probably see further pressure. You see this list of companies participating in the boycott is growing. A lot of big names, a lot of big advertisers on that list. Some of them are withholding 
advertising on Facebook specifically for a brief period of time. Some of them are withholding all social media advertising for a period of time. Um, you saw on Friday, Facebook unveiled certain measures that were aimed at kind of diffusing this boycott. It doesn't look like they were very successful. So, you know, normally this would not be, normally this would be a very company specific piece of news, but just given how crucial these super cap tech stocks are to supporting the market, you saw on Friday, Facebook was hit very hard. It, it certainly bled into some of the other super cap tech stocks. Um, you know, so to the extent Facebook continues to be under enormous pressure, that certainly is going to be removing a critical area of support for the tape. And then on Boeing, they're going to start the certification flights for this, for the, um, for the, for the max plane. This is certainly positive. But it's really kind of just the first step before it actually receives FAA approval to resume flights. So that that approval to resume flights, it doesn't look like that is going to arrive for probably another two to three months. So September-ish seems to be, um, you know, the consensus thinking around that. So, you know, there's still a long way to go before that plane gets back in the air. Um, for the calendar today, the big news will come after the close. So you have Micron earnings tonight. And then you're going to have these bank announcements. So the banks will announce their specific capital return plans and then their stress capital buffers. Um, the capital, as far as capital return is concerned, you know, we know buybacks are going to be suspended through at least Q3. So you're probably not going to see a ton of commentary around buybacks. On the dividends, it looks like you're going to see most banks keep their existing dividends in place with a few exceptions. Wells Fargo is widely expected to cut. Um, and then a couple of others where, again, you have a lot less flexibility on the dividend payout ratios like Capital One, um, you know, dividend payout ratio is well above 100%. And a couple of other card and consumer levered financial firms also may have to reconsider their dividends. So it's not quite clear the precise format of these announcements tonight. But you're going to see, again, from all the banks that participate in the stress test, you'll see those announcements. Goldman is expected to have the highest stress capital buffer. Um, again, a high buffer is is bad. Um, so that's why Goldman underperformed on Friday. Most people assume Goldman will be able to adjust its balance sheet, shrink its balance sheet um, to to maintain its dividend by the time the stress capital buffer goes into effect. So that will be another one um, in focus. Um, so that's kind of it as far as the major news is concerned. Again, my views on the tape are still the same as they've been. Um, you know, again, I think you have kind of three major problems right now for the market. The first one being you have a lot of longs in the tape that are being motivated by non-fundamental factors, specifically stimulus, a lot of performance chasing, et cetera. Um, those people are not those people should be considered very weak hands. They're not going to be patient to the extent you see um, you know, another day like we saw on Friday. Um, and we're right now we're perched on some very precarious technical levels, specifically 3000 point. I think if you were to see sustained break below that, that will probably just invite further selling. Um, you know, again, I continue to think that you're going to see these, the COVID transmission spike that we've now witnessed for the last several weeks, it's going to start appearing in other statistics. I think that will just compound some of the anxiety around uh, coronavirus, um, and then also, I think you're seeing the COVID spike coming at a very bad time, given that we're just a couple of weeks away from earnings season. Um, you know, again, if we go into earnings season and and there's now this new cloud of COVID hanging over the market, I think corporate management teams are going to be more cautious. You're probably going to see guidance be more negative than it would have been otherwise. You may probably see a bunch of companies um, continue to suspend guidance. You know, a lot of companies have said that they would be giving guidance out in conjunction with Q2. Um, but if COVID is, is, you know, a huge overhang by the time reports start in mid July, a lot of companies could just, um, keep guidance suspended. Um, 
you know, stimulus will stay a tailwind. Stim- that's clearly not going away. It's going to stay very intense. So you have Powell and uh, Mnuchin will be testifying tomorrow. I would expect a lot of commentary about how they are continuing to be present in the market. They're probably also going to talk about how a lot of their existing stimulus tools have not even been, um, you know, expended yet. If you look at especially the Fed liquidity support measures, um, you know, they're not even over 10% utilized at this point. So there's still plenty of stimulus um, and that's having an effect. That's the reason why the S&P is off the March lows, but it's not going to be enough to keep the market above 3000 if you have all these other macro factors working against it. Um, so again, 2900 is still kind of your fair value area, um, you know, which means if you want to make if you want to call the market really, really compelling, you have to get kind of below that point. Um, just one final word on on um, vaccines. You know, I continue to think that the narrative around vaccines is inappropriate in that most people assume it's this binary event whereby a vaccine is discovered, it works for everyone, um, and the immunity is for, um, you know, in perpetuity, essentially. And, I, and that's really not how it's going to wind up being. And Fauci made cautious commentary on this where, he, you know, he basically said that the vaccine efficacy um, is not going to be near 100 percent for for many people. You know, you could be talking, he thinks the best case scenario would be 70 percent efficacy. It's cl- unclear how long the um, what the duration of the e- efficacy will be. So you may have to people may have to get this vaccine annually um, in, you know, in which case. So the big question is not whether or not when a vaccine a- achieves FDA approval, which you know, I think most people assume you're going to see the FDA approve something before the election. Um, the question is, when do you achieve a degree of herd immunity in, in you know, major population areas? Um, and that is, you know, again, 12 to 18 months at least away. And that's something Fauci talked about overnight on CNN, um, you know, again, just kind of giving a more sobering perspective about what a vaccine actually entails and, and what the ramifications of it are. So, um, you know, I know the market is very quick to get excited about a lot of these vaccine headlines from a variety of different companies, but I think people just need to step back um, and appreciate, uh, you know, some of the nuances of that whole process. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.